From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, it's great to be back with you. It's a little different episode this time. We have a guest, but first I need to introduce us. As you know, we are a podcast that deals with missions, culture, and healthy church. And I'm Scott Armstrong. And to my right, we are doing this virtually, but Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. And then we don't have the rest of our uh, of our group here with us, but we have an, a special invited guest that we'll be talking about the topic today. And I want to get to meet him a little bit. And so across the the the, the <laughs> ocean, Timmy and Spencer is in Trinidad and Tobago, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Awesome, awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about you, man. Uh, obviously, I should say. Timmy is our coordinator for global missions in the Caribbean. And so it has been a pleasure working with him for the past few years. And we're already seeing results of people mobilized from the Caribbean. But talk to us about your family, uh, where you are. I know you're studying and, and some of those things. Okay, nice. So let me just say good morning. That is a uh, Dutch greetings. Yes. Um, as part of the Caribbean field, we also serve the Dutch. So I was like, hmm, let me just speak a little Dutch. That is as best as it gets. This is the perfect <laughs> podcast to do that too. Um, but uh, Timian Spencer is the name. Scott, well, Scott already introduced a part of me um, as the Global Missions Coordinator for the Caribbean field. I love people. Um, I love traveling. I love my family. Uh, Christmas is the best time of the year for me. So I am all in the Christmas um uh spirits every time it's december um i am the last of six siblings actually and um yeah yeah that that should be good scott that's, that should that's be good. good that's good you are studying you you have a call to uh, I, I think to be a pastor is that correct yeah um so i'm studying theology in caribbean nazarene college and god is be god is preparing me as a matter of a fact to to shepherd um, but outside of that, I am passionate about missions. And so I can already see that the church that I'll pastor will be doing a lot of missions. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's been interesting. I know that you've testified to a pastoral call, but your heart is missionary. And I've always said we need more pastors with a missionary heart and more missionaries with a pastoral heart. And so uh, you're right in that intersection. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, really privileged to be able to minister with you in this region. So let's kind of get to it. Uh, uh, normally, we kind of bring a topic uh, and we talk about that theme uh, during the, the span of 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, today, the topic is kind of broad. Uh, we were just, all three of us were just at our regional conference uh, called Max 22. And that was in Panama, I should say, we had been longing to go to this conference because uh, during the pandemic, it was scheduled for 2020. We had to postpone, then bumped to 2021, had to postpone again. Uh, the pandemic is in a stage right now where it was possible for us uh, around the region to travel. And so that's what we did. We were there. There were more than a thousand people from, I think, do you remember, Emily, how many countries representing 21? I think I read in an article, it ended up being 21 or 22. 20, yeah. 22 of our countries represented. It was amazing. Before we talk about content, Timmy, maybe I'll go to you. Like, what was it like being in an environment like that? Again, not just like the plenary sessions and what God taught us there, but just the environment. 
Um, well, for me, just as you said, it was it was awesome. I was longing to go to that conference too. As a matter of a fact, I was longing to go to anything physical since the pandemic. <laughs> so as as much as I can get, I would take. But it was just awesome being able to see persons again from across these different countries, meeting friends as I would have met four years ago, haven't seen in four years, um, just being able to try to speak some Spanish and having Duolingo help me. I remember one time I was trying to to say excuse me in Panama and all I kept hearing in Duolingo is disculpe. And so I was like, all right, that is it. That is it. That is it. But it was really good. It was really good being able to see people again. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick note that we are not sponsored by Duolingo. However, we are open to sponsorships. If anybody's <laughs> yes. listening from Duolingo, <laughs> we recommend that product all the time for language learning. Yeah, I agree with you, Timmy. I thought it was an awesome environment and... Um, it's been a long time since we've gotten together as a region. And even though I have been to regional conferences before, I didn't realize how much it felt that it had been a long time since we as a regional family had been together. And um, I think part of that is because General Assembly had been pushed and everything got pushed where it's like, oh, you kind of make those connections. And I felt like every time I saw somebody, they were um, just like ready to give the biggest hug. And for us, I mean, we've lived in Guatemala, Costa Rica, Panama, now the Dominican Republic. And to see people from like all steps of life that we've had over the past 19 years of living in this region. Like I saw people that I met the very first day that I came onto the mission field, you know, uh, Charito, if you're listening in English, which you probably aren't, but like I saw her there and then was able to, to enjoy things with people that I've lived with, but then also to get to put like faces to names I've only emailed before or only been on like these virtual conferences before. It was, it was amazing. In fact, Scott, I want you to, I think the, one of the funniest stories is Scott meeting Abner Gutierrez in the airport. So, so Scott, I want you to So I don't know about you, Timmy. Like, I actually had not met Abner, who is our assistant uh, mobilizer in, in Mexico. And uh, really, he came on during during the pandemic. And, uh, and so... Guys, I have to admit, on Zoom, the man looks tall. <laughs> He's got great virtual backgrounds. <laughs> on, on, Zoom, on Zoom, I thought he was just different. And he came off the plane and we're waiting for him. And I literally didn't think it was him. Right. I, I was like, no, that's that's not him. I mean, there. I think there needs to be somebody else coming behind him, you know. And and so I joked with Abner. He's he's one of our most, you know, just our funniest guys. But yeah, it was great. It was great. I mean, the times of just eating lunch or dinner with people and and uh, uh, staying up late and talking with different people. So that that was part of it. these conferences are so crucial. Uh, just because. Uh, more is accomplished, and I'm not talking about like a checklist, but more is accomplished relationally can ever be achieved just through Zoom. So let's kind of transition and talk about what the Lord told us, what the Lord showed us. Uh, there were plenary sessions, many great, I'm not going to go through the list of all the presenters and, and speakers and things like that, but um, let's start with you, Timmy. Uh, what was one thing that jumped out, one thing that God taught you during Max 22? Wow, there was a lot of things. I have almost about seven different pages with notes that I took. 
on my on my smartphone. Um, but to share one, I would say the very first day when I got there, the topic was the response to the church or the response of the church to the cities. And one of the things that the presenter share is a go versus come strategy. And um, I found that, you know, very powerful because th the truth is right now, everything that people need is outside of the church. So as I think about it, to be able to get persons or to reach persons, we really have to go and reach them outside. Because, you know, in my mind, when I think about probably what goes through the mind of those who haven't known Christ as yet, when they hear, okay, come to church, they're probably on their, their, their fingers be counting, well, I have this better outside. Maybe this is better. So um, it, it really has to be God bringing them together. So I, I think just hearing that go versus come strategy, I think it was critical. Um, I mean, we, we say it a lot. We mention it a lot, philosophical, but just being able to hear it from somebody else at a regional conference, I think it probably resonated with a lot of persons um, that what we're talking isn't just cliche or isn't just something to come good, but it really works. Like if we go, it really, it really helps persons to know Jesus. Some of the words that were used there, and I've read as well, is the difference between an attractional theology or praxis, right? Like uh, attracting people. We've got to get people to come into our doors, right? And then a missional strategy of like, we've got to uh, um, equip our people to go out. You know, what a difference. What a difference. And a lot of our, our churches, I think, still are kind of in that, oh, how can we get people in, right? Yeah, I feel like um, Chris Zimmerman is the one that was doing the the plenary sessions for the urban missions. And actually, just a small plug, the uh, communications team for the region has started to release the plenary sessions and the devotional uh, on their YouTube channel. So if you want to look up Mesoamerica Region uh, Communications YouTube channel, you can see everything that we saw. You can experience the conference with us, even though if um, you weren't there, you can still be a part of that. And um, Chris was so challenging, I think, to our region specifically. He comes from Germany. And um, I know when I first saw that he was coming from Germany, I thought, oh, like this is a really outstanding side voice, you know, like we're kind of used to people maybe from South America or from the United States coming to our, to our conferences, but like somebody from Eurasia, that was very different for us. And I enjoyed the context that he placed around reaching the city, mostly because when we think about Europe and where they're at and their understanding of church, who church is, what church is, what we do, um, a lot of people would say, and Scott hates the word, a lot of people would say they're post-Christian. Scott hates that. So that could be another uh, podcast episode. Yes. But hey, I, have to, I, I have to defend myself. I have to defend myself. I just believe in our optimistic theology, our Wesleyan theology, that that we should never say we're post something. I mean, even if it's post in the history books, I still say it's pre. Uh, you know, <laughs> I still, I, God still wants to do something. So carry on. Did you went to NTS? 
Yes, I did. I did. That's, that's probably why. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's Theological Seminary pumping them out. <laughs> so, um, but the thing that I, I really recognized and appreciated is he's literally coming at this from a very different perspective than where we're at in most of our countries in, in the Mesoamerica region. What he sees in Germany, um, they are in a different sphere. Like they're on a different playing field of what it looks like to reach the, the unreached. And um, some of the stories that he told to me, I don't know if they were like shocking for you. For me, they were like a little shocking, but I, because we've been doing some urban ministry for the past eight to 10 years, like I, I think I was like emotionally prepared for it. And be like, I was more like, yeah, this is awesome. Like this is who we need to be. But I kind of felt like maybe people from our region would have been um, like massively in shock when he's talking about like literally church planting in a bar, like he's going to a bar. He's a Nazarene pastor going to a bar for a year and he starts planting a church there. I want to know what you were maybe hearing because on our side, you know, maybe we don't hear all of the chatter, you know, stuff like that because we're in charge of urban ministries. But I want to know the inside track from you, Timmy. Did you hear anybody talking about like some of the examples he was using or, or what was the the feel on your side? Well, I'm not sure if I heard persons talking. I don't know if that was because I probably was so <laughs> engulfed in everything else that was happening. But for me, I think when I heard of that, I, I thought of um, our own Genesis missionary and specifically Cleon, yes. who, who started a church from a bar. Yes. And, um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I appreciated what Chris brought is that he you know, he kind of brought some level of um, outside of the box in a sense that many times we think that, okay, these things are too extreme to be able to reach others. Uh, we, we we tend to be more contemporary. And so just being able to hear um, and see that he could have started a church out of a bar, that, that was encouraging for me, you know, and in my mind, I, I, I was like, okay, well, if he can start a church in a bar, then maybe there's another way as well to start a church, you know, but but just just being able to to hear these different perspectives, um, like something else he said, involve business persons and entrepreneurs. No, I didn't know until like just reading Chris's resume that he's a social entrepreneur. And in my mind, I was like, well, this man really knows what he's talking about. So just being able to involve entrepreneurs, I think, is critical. Because one of the things I've always heard persons saying, and they say, they say jokingly, um, like there's, there's a few things that as churches do, one being sports, like the entrepreneurs and those who have the financial leverage, they would, they would invest a lot of monies in that. And they would say jokingly, boy, well, you know, it's best you go and ask the business owner. They can give a lot of money. And just being able to see and hear Chris say that, it just resonated again that um, maybe, you know, we, we should involve and not target, involve. I think was critical. Um, involve the, the entrepreneurs and the business owners. Let them know that we are interested in impacting this urban community. How, how would you like to be a part you know, and um, so for me, just hearing those kind of perspectives is really great. 
Well, and as you're talking, it reminds me of so many times we limit maybe in our minds what God could do. We think, oh, sure. Yeah, Timmy, you're talking about Christian business owners. You're talking about, but no, I mean, why would God limit it to that? There are so many people, uh, business owners and entrepreneurs in our uh, context in our community that maybe don't know the Lord yet, but they still want their community to be better. They still would love to be a part uh, of, of, of transformation in the city, right? And so for us, I think I think it was so important to hear Chris uh, Chris's voice and to say, hey, let's think outside the box, as you said. Let's, let's not just think in our little, oh, well, we were only given this many funds, so I guess we just have to do what we can with those. I mean, God is owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as we like to say, right? In, in Spanish, they say he's he's the owner of the gold and the silver, you know. And so, uh, it, it, I mean, why do we put limits on him? I should mention Max twenty two. The focus there are really three different uh, arms of this conference. The first day and into the second, we talked about urban mission, so we've touched on that. But there were two other. Uh, emphases as well. One was on youth and one was on children. I know for both of you that that is, uh, those are passions of, of of yours as well and in your ministry. Uh, Emily, maybe did something grab you about the second and the third day when we started to talk about investing in the next generations? Yeah, and I actually appreciate, Scott, that you just put it that way, like the investment into the next generation, because even though we had like these categories of youth and children, it was interesting to see how they just kind of um, came on top of each other, you know. And so even as I was thinking through, um, I had the privilege of translating for Gary Hartke, who did a workshop that was about passing the torch like to the next generation. And I also had the privilege of translating for Pati Picavea, who was specifically talking about engaging children. And interestingly enough, the two things, sometimes when you're translating, it's very hard for you to like be pulling stuff out of it. But the thing that I can remember, I remember a lot of them actually, I'm very surprised. But um, what I took from both of them is Gary told this story that then like Patty almost affirmed through her preaching, right? And uh, the, the quick version of Gary's story is he was talking about this little boy that was seven years old and uh, there was a pastor that had identified this child. This kid always wanted to be a part of church stuff. And uh, the child told him, one day I'm going to be a pastor. One day I'm going to be in your office. One day call me to your office. I want to have a meeting with you the way that uh, you meet with everybody else. And, you know, a seven-year-old kid. And so the, guy, the pastor is seeing this child as, a, as somebody that is, like, highly engaged and obviously wants to do something. Well, he had forgotten about it. He kind of forgot about this kid for a while. And um, the kid let a few days go by or a few weeks go by and the, and he came back up to him and he said, you never called me for, for an appointment. I've been waiting for my appointment in your office. And so the pastor started to really take an intentional like look at this child and say, what's God doing in your life? And like I'm going to even stop the story there. Gary didn't say this, but I was thinking if we as the church had more intentionality of seeing these children that are a part of our congregation that 
God is doing something in their heart and their lives. There's a reason why it says for such is the kingdom of heaven, because they are so engaged and they want to be a part and they want to serve and, and their willingness to come alongside. It's so, um, it, it just always gets me, right? Like, how can we ignore these people? Well, the pastor, to, to get to the end of that story, the pastor saw that child and he gave him the responsibility of handing out hymnals. Every single week, his responsibility was handing out hymnals to people as they were coming in. You need to greet people and you need to have hymnals because if you're not having handing out hymnals, they're not going to know the words to sing to the church music and then they're not going to be able to worship God the same way. Like he told him why. This is important. I'm giving you a job. I'm telling you why. And, um, and that child ended up being the evangelist in his own home for getting up on Sunday mornings, for getting his family out the door because he literally ended the story by saying the child had taken such a, a responsibility for being a a part of the church that he would tell his parents, I have to get there because people will not be able to worship if I'm not there to give them their hymn books. <laughs> so <laughs> I just was so encouraged. And I thought there are these like practical examples that, that I think we need to hear more often. I left there thinking, what can I do in my own spaces? I work with children a lot and I see God working in their life. And so my challenge to myself personally was how do I start telling those stories? Because I know as a translator, I have the benefit of like looking out at everybody as they're listening to that story. And the faces were just like, beaming, right? Like they're like, yes, this is who we are as the church. And they're affirming it. And it even makes me a little emotional because I know that God wants that. Like he wants it so much in our church. He wants us to take a, take an interest in who our children are. And um, I left encouraged. I left inspired. And um, I really left praying that people would put into practice what they heard about reaching the next generation. So a passion of yours as well, Timmy. I mean, you've been involved in, in youth ministry and uh, you've been mentored by people who have believed in you uh, and now you're pouring into others. Uh, what kind of grabbed you of those uh, last two days of our, our conference? I think it was very interesting that you mentioned just now being mentored by persons who pulled me in. Um, there were a few things that stood out to me. The first was in Gary's um Gary's uh, address, uh, when he was sharing, he was talking about fanning the flame. Um, and I think sometimes as, as leaders, we can be guilty of outing people's flame. Um, there's, there are many times we know that somebody has, whether it be a call, a passion, a gifting, and we are in the best position to fan that flame. And we often kind of out it. And, uh, you know, he transitioned very beautifully um, in my mind to then start to classify between an I leader versus a we leader. And he said that an I leader is egotistical, thinks about himself, thinks about how it is he can continue to propel or how it is that he can continue to be recognized, continue to maintain this status while the we leader has the other's interest um, at his heart, their best interest at heart. And as I think about fanning the flame of somebody else, it really takes a we leader because it takes a certain level of humility um, to not become insecure when um, you realize that the, 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 the individual that you're mentoring or that you're fanning their flame 
that they do not, um, you know, that, that you don't have an issue with God using them. Um, for all we know, they might do greater works than you, and that's fine. You know, like like the Bible gives us a perfect model of Jesus saying that when I leave, you'll do greater works than I did. And I think that that is a, that is a great way of, as a leader, being able to tune um, and have that kind of mindset that, hey, I am not on this earth to be regarded as the greatest of all time, but to prepare others that when I leave, they will do greater works than I did. And I think that in and of itself is what um, really would, would, would stood out to be an excellent leader. And so that, that was the first thing. And then the second thing, it, it had to do with, it was the night session. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the speaker. He's from the U.S. He's a, he's a district superintendent. The name just not coming right now. Maybe Emily might better or Scott might better remember the name. I'm really good with faces. Sometimes I forget names. But he, he spoke about being a hero maker. Oh, Dr. Bond. Right, Dr. Bond. Jim Bond. He spoke about being a hero maker. And uh, I just love how he dissected and shared um, that night session. He looked at the story of Samuel specifically, of how Samuel was, he was very young. And he was, he was at the time in the palace and God was speaking to him. And just the role that Eli played in being able to facilitate that call. Like I always say, I think that we have a, a role to play because I've seen it time and time again where youths um, like myself and younger, they have a call on their lives. But because of the fact that we don't facilitate them as much as we can, either that call becomes dormant or they think that it is probably um, their will and not the Lord. They think that mm -hmm. this is just something that they're thinking that they should do and it's probably not what they should do. And so being a hero maker is being like Eli, um, being able to facilitate the upcoming of somebody else. And then he went on to say that the truth is our condition um, is that we, 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 we want to be the hero all the time. We want to be the one um, on the forefront. We want to be the, the ones who our names um, are, are constantly being called. We want to be the one who gets all the recognition. As pastors, he said that. Um, but we should really be the hero maker. We should be the ones um, who understands that God never intended for us to stay or to remain as pastors for a lifetime or for centuries, but we will have to leave someday. And specifically in the Caribbean, and maybe this is a statistic across the Mesoamerica region, about 75% to 80% of the pastors in the Caribbean field are 50 years and older. And that is a statistic that every time I hear, you know, I, I'm like, wow, like, if we continue at, at this pace in the next 10 years, 20 years, well, that is it. And so I think um, it's a challenge for many pastors to be a hero maker because I truly believe, you know, many times I hear persons saying in churches, well, there's nobody in the church who, who I see um, might be good to be the next leader. And in my mind, who you see is about who God sees. And so God is, there's always someone in our midst 
that God is preparing, that God is speaking to. And that's just how God works because as um, you know, I once heard this leader constantly say the church is not ours and he glads that the church is not ours. It's God's church, which means that God is always replenishing persons. Now it's up to us to be able to, to see what God is doing and to facilitate that replenishment. And so being a hero maker facilitates leaders, young leaders, children um, of just being able to answer the call of God, um, you know, and, and, and saying yes. So I think I'll stop here. Yeah. Let me hear from you, Scott. No, this is this is good. It reminds me in Guatemala. Uh, literally, I, I felt kind of like the Lord was was saying, "You need you talk a lot about disciple." Meaning me, you talk a lot about discipling. Uh, you preach about it, but who are you discipling? And so, my first idea uh, was, you know, we we went to our service in in a part. We we're a part of a church, and I remember thinking, "Ah, it's the youth leader. I'm supposed to mentor the youth leader." Man, that is a great lead. And uh, I just didn't feel peace about it. And several several weeks later, after praying and things, he instructed, he guided me to another young man, recently had come out of the gang, um, had not completed even the ninth grade in, in, in schooling. And I thought, really? I mean, what? I mean, I'm not even sure if we can... And, and through the next three years, we really uh, invested in him. His name is Julio. And, uh, and just now he is uh, a leading member of the church. He is studying to be a pastor, uh, has a wonderful family, two kids. Um, this was several years ago. Um, but, but it's like, hey, God sees things in people, you know, and, and we should not, this seems to be a theme, right? We should not limit our focus. We should not limit to say, oh, he's going to only work in these certain ways that we're used to, right? Um, and, and so let's make heroes. And, and if, you know, the people that come after us end up being better preachers, end up winning more souls, end up impacting more nations, that shows our, our effectiveness, even if we don't, we're not <laughs> there's no statue built, even if there's no book written about us, you know, and there are about this, these other people, um, uh, that is investing, that is investment in the next generation. Yeah. I think even just a kind of a nice, neat little bow on the conversation that was one of the best parts of Patty's sermon is <laughs> to, I don't know if you remember to me at the very end, she told this story and it was about a five minute story about somebody that was, had come to a place in South America and had tried to be a missionary. And for some reason or other, like it didn't work out and somebody even died. And in the discipleship that happened with the small little church, with a small group of children for a year or two. And like through the course of that whole entire testimony, it ended up being Patty at the end. Like she was the child that was discipled by those missionaries that had come years and years ago. And, and maybe thought there was no fruit. And thought there was no fruit. And, yeah. and so, you know, I think, you know, there's things that we're not going to know. And exactly what you're saying of that's why we are hero makers today. And it's very, um, to me, it always makes me think of Hebrews when it says that they longed for the promise that they didn't even get to see fulfilled, right? Like they just continued to say yes and be obedient and Abraham walked and walked and walked and and at least he saw the promise of of Isaac in his arms and in his, but he didn't see the promised land. He didn't see what God did, but he had faith that God was going to use his words and say, yes, we are going to change this entire world through this promise and, and, um, just being a part of Patty's testimony and and knowing how God has used her, you know, and, and the 
hundreds of, I would even say thousands of people that her life, her one life has impacted should be inspiring to anybody to be like, just put, you know, your one little grain of sand into into the time glass because God will take that one little effort and just multiply it a bazillion times. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I love, I love what, what, what Paddy shared and coming on to the end of her, her time, for me, it was, it was a, a very mind-blowing and resounding time. She said that many times we were able to tell how much our churches are really interested and invested in children. Um, and I would even go on to add youth there by at the end of the year, just being able to check the report or whether it be the financial report of how many monies were allocated to the youth and the children. Yeah. And just some experience being a NY, a local NY president and, and serving on my church board locally and even district-wise, um, many times the youths and the children, they receive the, the smallest amounts of, um, of allocations. And for me, when she said that, I was like, yes, we needed to hear this. Because if it is that you're investing into the future, then that should be the biggest investment. And as I once heard a pastor said, um, he, he would never have issues investing in anything to deal with young people um, because he sees the fruit that he can bear in the future. Even if it turns out that it doesn't bear as much as he sees, he still considers that a win because we can never tell what God is doing in the lives of others. Amen. This is good. Uh, we've gone a little bit longer than we normally do, but you can tell that we have come out of this conference uh, impacted, uh, encouraged, renewed. Um, and, and we want you to, to be that way too. Uh, Emily, we always, at the end of our, our episodes, uh, kind of let people know where they can contact us. If they would like to know more how to get, we'll put in the show notes, some of those uh, plenary sessions and the links to the YouTube as well. Uh, but, but man, if they'd like to get in contact with us and talk about these subjects, or if people are sensing a call to missions or want to impact their city too, what can they do? Yeah. Find us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is um, the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org. And there's a contact tab if you want to send us any questions or if you have any um, specific things that you want to find out about that we can resource you with. We'd love to connect with you through either of those channels. Awesome. Well, uh, we are the Worthless Servants, and I think we're going to try this uh, virtually. So I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Timmy. <laughs> not just Timmy. You go by one name, man. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. You're like Prince. You're like Oprah. <laughs> it's, that's amazing. Well, we we are. It's so good to be with you guys, yeah. and we we will just talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoamericaGenesis.org.